I got to tell you, and I'm not making this up. This is true. Uh, did you hear what Christy just read? I mean, did you hear the story or was it just words? Because the story, wow, it's, a, it's a, quite a story. Um, I don't know if Z88 would play that because they might have said, this is not quite safe for the little ears, you know? So as I'm preparing for the sermon, and man, oh man, is this week's preparing something else. Did you hear that story? I mean, is that story not amazing? I'm not kidding you. I thought this, man, am I glad the kids aren't in the, uh, this week in the worship service with us? And they are. So let me just say, enjoy your conversation at lunch today, all right? I mean, let me just say to you young parents, uh, just enjoy it and talk about things like uncovering and feet and lying down. Boy, do I wish I was a fly on your wall today. There's going to be some fun. Don't blame me. This is God's word. By God's grace, I will say nothing apart from what he has for us. But boy, does he have a story to be told. Does he have a song to be sung? And boy, do I need prayer before we begin. So please pray with me. Father God, I I just love the fact that in your holy word, you give us a story like this. I love the fact that you are a God who isn't going to uh, just sanitize and clean things up so much that they're unreal and they're not a part of our daily life. God, I love the fact that in your holy and errant infallible word, you have for us this amazing story of love. God, I know this, is that this story has a lot of innuendo. (laughs) This story has a lot of electricity. This story could be cloaked in confusion. Father, we we may hear this story and and come up with the wrong conclusion. So, God, we need need you. I, I need you to be storyteller. God, this is your story, and only you can tell it. And you know how much I've studied and you know how much I love this story, but you know also that I'm just not capable of giving this story justice. So God, would you do that, which only you could do? And, and, and for some reason, you've chosen me to be preacher. And some reason, you've chosen me as broken vessel to be storyteller. So God, I'm yours and, and come. But, but God, please speak through me. My hope is in you. Show me the way. Guide me in truth in all that I say. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Paul McCartney and John Lennon will probably go down in history as the greatest combination of singer and songwriters uh, ever. Uh, certainly in our uh, generation, you can't beat McCartney and Lennon when it comes to singing and songwriting. I mean, they're the front stars of, if you don't know this by now, the Beatles. And they've done pretty well for themselves. Wrote a couple of songs that did all right in the charts. And the Beatles uh, will forever be known. Well, McCartney and Lennon is probably our era's greatest songwriters. Well, all good things they say must come to an end. The Beatles, if you haven't heard, they broke up. 
And then started a little bit of a feud, a little bit of a feud between uh, two guys that, that really helped shape uh, the rock and roll world, two guys that will go down in history as maybe the greatest ever songwriters. Uh, they started to have a little feud and uh, went different ways musically, uh, Lennon doing his imagining things and McCartney doing his thing. McCartney uh, kind of got into a groove with some silly love songs, you know, kind of uh, uh, songs on the lighter side of things, you know. And, and critics kind of took to it saying, you know, McCartney's kind of given us these uh, bubblegum songs. Uh, Sir Paul McCartney could probably handle that. But really when it stung, when it came to uh, the words of his former partner, former songwriter, John Lennon. John Lennon said of Paul, he said, you know, all, all he seems to be doing right now is just writing these frivolous love songs. So Paul took his pain and he said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna write a silly love song. And that silly love song is gonna go to number one. So I'm gonna write a silly love song. Because he says some people wanna fill the world with silly love songs. And what's wrong with that? He needs to know, because here he goes again. <laughs> I love you. I mean, that is crazy love right there. That, it, it, I'm telling you, I, thank you so much, because that was so bad. But anyway, <laughs> hey, listen, the book of Ruth is anything but a silly love song. But it, let me tell you, it's a love story. It's amazing. It's a love story without the name love in the story. But anything but silly when you think of Ruth. I mean, uh, an amazing love story uh, because here's the deal. Because it is God's love story. It really is. I mean, Ruth is going to tell God's love story through, through some broken characters, through some amazing voices. And uh, it's incredible, but it's anything from silly. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. I'm telling you, it's Bible-saving stuff. I'm telling you, it's stuff that every one of you, if, if you're familiar with the Bible or not, this needs to wash over you. I mean, this story is unbelievable. The story is, in chapter three, we really get to, in a lot of ways, it's a song. I mean, not, not set up as a song, but it sings as a song. It preaches as a song. And, and there are going to be three voices that are going to sing this song. You're going to hear Naomi's voice, and she's going to sing. And we're going to tell you in a minute what she sings. Then, then you'll hear Ruth's voice come in, and she'll sing. And then, then you're going to hear Boaz's voice sing. And they're all going to sing this love song, an amazing three-part harmony. But if you listen closely, listen, my brothers and sisters, lean into this song, lean into the story, because when you listen to the story, when you listen to the song, guess who's conducting it? I mean, guess whose voice is really harmonizing through all of it? It's God. It's God's song. It's God's voice. It's God's story, and it's far from silly. So lean in, listen in, and hear these voices come together but rejoice of God's voice that trumps and sings harmony over them all. We're going to hear Naomi. Naomi sings a love song from bitterness to life. We've, we've learned about Naomi, haven't we? Although her name is pleasant, life circumstances, she's pretty bitter. But even in this chapter, we see that the bitterness is completely uh, melting away. And even in this chapter, we're going to hear her song, her song from bitterness to life. We're going to hear Ruth sing a song. She's going to sing a love song from, from foreigner to fiance, 
from foreigner, from being a Moabite. And again, if you're around the Bible and you, you hear the term Moab or Moabite, there's, there's some real sketchy things going on there. And you're going to have this foreigner with, with all of the, the gross connotations, with all the catcalls, with all of the, just the gnarly significance of a foreigner being transformed to fiance. She's going to sing an amazing song from foreigner to fiance here in this chapter. But you also have Boaz. You have Boaz is big, strong. Boaz means strength is in me. So he provides that deep bass here, you know, that deep bass and sings a love song and a love song from relative. And the word relative, it starts off in chapter three is a relative and a friend, but it moves beyond that. He sings of a song of a redeemer. He sings a song of a rescuer. Uh, he sings a song that, that points us to another singer of the Bible, the ultimate singer. He points us to the voice of the ultimate rescuer, the ultimate redeemer. But again, what you gotta see in all of this is God's hand. I mean, God's hand is orchestrating this. We cannot miss it. It's so clearly he is orchestrating it all. And what we can't miss is God's voice. God's voice singing harmony over it all. So let's go back to chapter three. Get your Bibles out. We're gonna go back through and we're gonna look at lyric by lyric or verse by verse. What is this, uh, this story, Ruth? And, and uh, what is God telling us here and communicating through this incredible love song? You wanna follow along in your bulletin. You'll see some points there. Uh, the first thing we're gonna see is Naomi's love song from bitterness to life in verses one through four. Naomi's going to sing from bitterness to life. We'll also see that life emerge at the end of the story. Wait till you see that. It's incredible. But as we begin, let me have her song. Let me point out a couple things. Every one of these songs is going to be selfless. A lot of love songs are selfish. Oh, baby, you make me feel good. Oh, baby, what you do to me. But what you're going to hear is that God has so washed over these characters that they're able to sing the most unusual love song. It's selfless. It's a love that gives to others. It's a love that gives to God. And we can see that, that Naomi, the, the bitterness is, is melting away and, and her heart is being reengaged and, and she's no longer consumed with herself. She's now able to sing about others. And now she's singing a song of security and rest for Ruth. I kind of picture the stones give me shelter. But she's selflessly thinking of others. Again, let's look at verse one. One day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, how loving, what amazing term that she embraces her with. It's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Really, this is overarching in the Hebrew here is, it's time for me to provide you rest. If you remember last week, we left off in chapter two and God did some amazing things in chapter two. But we left chapter two with a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth. Because at the end of the chapter, chapter two ends by telling this, us this. Oh, by the way, Ruth still lives with her mother-in-law. Mm. Kind of that stage in her life, she should be out on her own. And what an amazing hinge here to chapter three that says, that, that Naomi says, it's time for me to act. I gotta move. You see, here's the beauty of what is happening in Naomi's life, in case you've missed it. God's loving kindness, this word hesed, is rolling over Naomi. It's rolling over Ruth and Boaz and it's softening all of their hearts, but specifically it's softening Naomi's heart. 
She's remembering that God's love does endure forever. She's remembering that God is still in the building. And she's leaving this debilitating, I can't get out of bed, pity and selfishness. And she's moving to help others. Listen, a sure sign that God is working in your life is if you're thinking of others. If you're just consumed with yourself, you're gonna be bitter. And you're gonna be unable to be used by God. But she says, time has come for Naomi to find a home. And this is uh, this, this, this home, this shelter. Uh, uh, Manoah is the Hebrew here. It's really saying rest. And the amazing thing is, is if you go back to chapter one and you look at chapter one, verse nine, uh, it was Naomi who was praying over, who was praying over Ruth and Oprah, Orpah, uh, her two uh, daughter-in-laws. And, and she says, may God give you rest. You see what just happened? God is using Naomi to answer her own prayer. I mean, Naomi, uh, at the time of being bitter, couldn't see how much God had for her. God has rest for you in the promised land. God has rest for you with a man who loves Jesus or the coming Messiah. And she is now answering her prayer. She says in verse two that, hey, this Boaz, he's a close relative. He's been good to you. And tonight he'll be down at the winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Obviously the breeze was right. And tonight will be the night. Boaz will be in a good mood. He'll be feeling groovy. And we got to know that timing is everything. Apparently Boaz needs a nudge. In chapter two, we realized that uh, at the beginning of the barley harvest, you had Boaz meet Ruth. They've been in the fields together, but this Boaz, this honorable man, for some reason, he's not making a move. And so here's Naomi saying, I'm going to play matchmaker. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to have a little nudge here. Maybe she was listening to tonight's the night. It's going to be all right. Maybe a little Rod Stewart was motivating. I don't know what was happening there. But then we get to verse three. She says, now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on that perfume of yours. Isn't that really good perfume? I think it's called Midnight Moab. I mean, that stuff's awesome. I mean, I stole that, by the way. All right, put on, uh, take a bath, put on the perfume. And I want you to put on that red dress. I mean, that really, really, just that really beautiful red dress. And then go to the, uh, the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he's finished eating and drinking. What is Naomi doing? Are you kidding me? Here we say, hey, hey, Ruth, uh, take a bath. Make yourself smoking hot. Look really good, smell really good with that midnight Moab stuff. And I want you to go down into the lion's den. You know what we've learned so far in Ruth? We've learned this, that it's, it's unsafe for a woman to be in the fields by herself as a widow, as an unprotected woman. Listen, in the sunlight, in the best day, it's unsafe for a woman like Ruth to be in a field like that. So Naomi's great idea is let's wait for midnight after midnight, let's wait for midnight and listen, dress in that dress, in that moonlight and in that perfume and go down to the threshing floor. There's a good idea. Are you kidding me? What in the world is happening? I know what we think is happening as a male. 
I mean, as males, we think we know what's happening. I mean, are you kidding me? This Naomi, she's cornering Boaz. This Naomi, he, Naomi's going to use Boaz's gifts. Are you kidding me? This, this isn't right. Listen, I thank God that when I preach my sermons, we sit together in a staff and I talk to them about what God is saying to me. And there's women who talk back to me and I read commentaries that include women and they say, what do you think Naomi's doing here? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but women think different than men, okay? I mean, here's what I really think is happening. Listen, this is so beautiful. How has Boaz seen Ruth? As a Moabite widow barren worker. How has Moab been presented? She's got dirt under her fingers. She's a really tough worker. She's a good worker, but she doesn't smell real good when she's around. And she doesn't look real good when she's around. So what is Naomi really doing? Naomi is so crafty, so smart, saying, this guy has got to see you in a whole different light. There's got to be a whole different Ruth that's presented to him. Clean up the stuff that still sticks from you, some gleaning. Take a bath. Put on that good smelling stuff. Not only that, put on that dress. And when you see that dress in the moonlight, the Hebrew says, jump back, Loretta. Those of you who've been around for a while, you know that's a Chuck Green favorite. You know what else he may be saying? Ah, oh, this is so cool. Take off your widow's garb. Take off your widow's. Listen, you know what they might be saying? Put on a wedding dress. Put on a wedding dress. Let, listen, there's a transformation that's going on here. Boaz has to see you in a whole new light as an eligible woman for marriage. Doll yourself up. There's a show going to take uh, place even tonight. How exciting. I think of the song, Lady in Red, Dancing with Me, Cheek to Cheek. He says in this, he says in that lyrics of that song, which I do love, by the way, I've never seen you looking so lovely as you did tonight. And he says, I've been blind. And I really think what Naomi is doing, saying, you've been blind, Boaz. You've had six to eight weeks in the field with this woman, and she is honorable. She is amazing. She is marriable. Will you you make a move? So all of a sudden, Naomi says, I'm going to uh, make sure that we might push this along a little bit. Okay, you thought that three sounded crazy? Wait till you read verse four. Nutty, nutty, crazy. Here's verse four. Be sure to notice where he lies down, And then go uncover his feet and lie down there. And he will tell you what to do. All the guys who were reading and hearing this story, Marvin Gaye just kept on, came on in your mind and say, let's get it on is what's going in the background to all the guys. And I'll tell you why. Three things the Hebrew says here. Uncover. Uncover. In the Bible, uncover is used to talk about uncovering things. Like uncover nakedness. Uncover, reveal nakedness. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I mean, you think way back to uh, Noah. Uh, you think about his, his sons and Ham. What was he doing? He uncovered his father's nakedness. That was terrible. Uncover. And it says uncover his feet. <laughs> uncover his feet. You know, you and I will hear feet. We'll think, okay, uncover his feet. No big deal, little feet. Woo. Um, but you know, in the Hebrew, the feet, feet could be more than feet. 
Feet can be more than feet. Feet kind of, kind of in Hebrew, they, they do mean more than feet. <laughs> Most people who hear feet know in Hebrew what they're talking about, you know? And in the minimum, it's legs. How much of the legs are uncovered? I'm uncomfortable too. And he, then she says this. Oh, by the way, see where he lays down? And there's a good place to lay down. Lie down there. The word lie down, lay down, Sally, don't need to leave so soon. I'm going to tell you, in the Bible, lying down usually means something other than just taking a good little nap. You know what I'm talking about? So, I mean, verse 4, what in the world is going on in verse 4? I remember in student ministry days, I would tell the students, don't lie down with someone you care about. Your brains leak out. They do. You, you start doing things you shouldn't. But here, this is the advice that Naomi has. And then here's the kicker. I love this. I love this. Okay. Uncover, feet, lie down. And here's, here's, here's what she says. And he'll tell you what to do. You betcha. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's the advice you got? Are you kidding me? He'll tell you what to do. I want you to know, as a dad, I think this advice stinks. All right. I just really, really think this is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. As a dad, this plan is way too dangerous. It's way too sexually provocative. There's way too much room for error. There's way too many hormones here to get in the way. But you know what it does? It gets us right to the cusp beautifully. It says, what is Boaz going to do? Also, first we've got to find out, well, what about Ruth? What is she going to do? Look at verses five and six. Five and six, he says, I will do everything you say, mom. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Ruth said, okie dokie. Good plan for me. Works for me, mom. I'll do everything you say. But she doesn't. She's even more crazy. She's even riskier than her own mother-in-law. But we'll find out about that. Second thing, Ruth's love song from foreigner to fiance in verses seven through nine. And Ruth's love song from foreigner to fiance in seven through nine, we're gonna see really three clear things. A selfless love song of family that you're gonna see in this is that, that Ruth is not there for just herself. Ruth is not selfishly looking for a man to corner Ruth is so noble. She's so selfless. Ruth is there with Naomi's best interest, with Elimelech's best interest. Ruth, Ruth is amazingly loyal. She's not going to marry because of love, and she's not going to marry because of money. Not only that, we're going to see that Ruth is crazy enough woman to be the one who proposes marriage. Verse 7. And Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits. And he was listening to James Brown. I feel good. Mm -hmm. He was laying down at the far end of the grain. and He went to sleep. You want to say, well, what's he doing? Why, why is he sleeping outside? What's the deal there? He, he probably was protecting his grain. He probably was there. Uh, he had, I mean, listen, it was a great crop. Work was done. He had a fantastic meal. Some of the best wine of the season. He was feeling good. You might even say he had a little bit of a buzz to him. Playing, I feel good. And then what in the world happens? He's startled. 
He had finished eating and drinking. He laid down and then Ruth quietly came, uncovered his feet, laid down around midnight. Bible, around midnight, a lot of things are happening around midnight. Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. You can see him. He's kind of, the Hebrew here, he's kind of he's groping for, for his covers, kind of trying to turn over, saying, what in the world's going on here? And he breaks into the song. Who are you? Who, 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 who? I would imagine wakes up from a chill, feeling for this covers. And you know the beautiful thing is? Listen, this is so beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful. He says, who are you? He doesn't say, whose are you? Who are you? And you know the most beautiful thing about this is she's gonna say, I'm Ruth. I'm your servant, Ruth. And, and again, we miss it in translation, but the word servant has changed here. She's not saying this. Listen, listen, you gotta hear this. She's no longer saying I'm a maidservant. She's no longer saying I'm a Moabite. She's no longer saying that I'm just somebody working in your field. Listen, listen, Ruth is saying, I'm Ruth. And the word servant there is saying, I'm marryable. And everything we know about this woman is she is honorable. And she is a match for Boaz. And the one who would be known more by a title now has a name. A peer, an eligible woman. Verse nine, verse nine. I'm your servant worth, Ruth. Spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. I think she started singing, take me home tonight. Either that or maybe just marry me. You know, the amazing thing about this story is is that Boaz himself prayed a prayer over Ruth because he heard about Ruth and, and how she loved Yahweh and, and all that she did for God and his people and all she did for Naomi. And this, this is really, really, really cool because in, in Ruth 2.12, she says, he, 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 Boaz says to Ruth, may the Lord cover you and bless you as you have taken refuge under him. You know, you know what's happening here? Ruth is saying, Boaz, May you answer your own prayer. May may you be the answer to your prayer. Those wings of covering, you are the provision possibly for me. May you answer your own prayer and cover me. And this is a, it's an Arab custom even today of of throwing over covers or, or of clothing to cover one to say it's a marriage proposal. It's a lot cheaper than a diamond ring. She says, you are a family goel in Hebrew, a family redeemer. Redeem me, marry me. But there's more on that next week. Boaz's love song of relative to redeemer in verses 10 through 13. We're gonna see that he selflessly gave all he could, had integrity over passion, and didn't settle for anything other than God's best. In verse 10, he says, how's Boaz gonna act? I mean, how's Boaz gonna act? Remember, he just got woken up. He's feeling groovy, feeling good, just woke up, and there's a woman at his feet. How is this man going to respond? Verse 10, the Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz explained. And then he says something that seems really crazy. I mean, first blush, you don't understand. What is he saying? He says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. You are showing even more family loyalty than you did before. For you not have not gone after younger men, whether rich or poor. What is this family loyalty? But first of all, I gotta go back and say one other thing. 
Men, if you are in a position, and there is a lot of sexual energy in that position, if you are in a position of possible compromise, and you are with a woman who smells good and looks good and is not your wife, may I encourage you to be like Boaz and address her as daughter. Because I'm telling you, men, when you see someone as your daughter, things change. And if they don't, go seek help. What a beautiful man of honor. How is he going to respond? He starts off with blessing her. And he starts off with blessing her and giving her the most incredible title. And I think he started singing a McCartney song. Maybe I'm amazed at the way you love me all the time. And maybe I'm amazed at the way you love our God. Because you are loving this God so incredibly that you are showing more family loyalty. Why? How is she not showing? How is she showing family loyalty? This is how. She's not running after the young to marry for love. She's not a cougar from Cougarville. She's not running after the rich and marrying for money. Listen, listen, this is, this is what Ruth is doing by saying, marry me, Boaz. She's saying, I'm not only looking out for me because Ruth wanted me to have security. I want, I'm sorry, Naomi wanted me to have security. I want Naomi to have a baby. I want her to have a Limelex line to continue for, for my husband, for my father-in-law. This marriage is out of loyalty to God, loyalty to Naomi. I mean, this is amazing. This is how this woman is operating. She's trusting God. She's trusting God for his best. She's not just looking out for herself. Verse 11. Now don't you worry about a thing. Stevie Wonder starts singing. Now don't you worry about a thing. And listen, ladies, especially when a blind man yells and sings to you, don't worry about a thing, start worrying. And I'm not talking about C.B. Winder's blindness. If a man is blind over passion, start worrying. But the great news is, that's not Boaz. Boaz says this, I will do what is necessary. I will do what is honorable. I am honorable. Boaz, listen, Boaz chose integrity over testosterone. And he says this in verse 11. He says, don't worry about a thing for everyone in town knows that you're a virtuous woman. And again, this is such weighty language. This is so beautiful. What he's saying here is this in the Hebrew. At the city gates, you are known as virtuous. And what he's saying is Proverbs 31, 31. Ruth, man, you look good. And you smell good. But Ruth, you are a woman of honor. I'm going to honor you tonight. I'm going to honor you and I'm going to honor the Lord. And we're going to do what's right. You know what I think that was playing in Boaz's iPod that night? You know what I think was echoing in his ear? It's that ancient Near Eastern hit that set all hits that ancient Near Eastern hit of rock and roll. It was, this is it. Ready? Rahab, you don't have to put on the red light. Walk the streets for money. You don't care if it's right or wrong or if it's right. Rahab, you know, I know the police came along and stole it and changed Rahab to Roxanne. But why in the world would Boaz be singing Rahab? 
turn to Matthew 1.5. Matthew 1.5 in a genealogy of Jesus tells us about Rahab. She was a Canaanite. She was a prostitute. But you know what else she was? She was mama. She was mama to Boaz. You wonder why someone could be that amazingly loving, that amazingly engaged to a Moabite? Because he had Canaanite blood in him. And he knew the reputation of his mom. He knew the stigma of his mom. But his mom loved Yahweh. So does this woman. So, listen, if nothing else, hear this. Don't you love the fact in the genealogy of Jesus, there's going to be a Moabite named Ruth. There's going to be a Canaanite named Rahab. There's going to be a messed up Jewish girl named Tamar. Uh, There's going to be a girl named Bathsheba that a king took advantage of. Don't you just love pulsating through Jesus's blood is a bunch of broken people like us. Can't you relate to a savior like that? Don't you love the fact that here is a man of honor that knew brokenness, but knew integrity and chose integrity? Man, Boaz. Verses 12 and 13. But while it is true that I'm one of your family redeemers, there's another man who is more closely related to you than I. Stay here tonight. In the morning, I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. I will marry you. Now lay down, Sally. Don't need to leave so soon. I don't know. I think that at this point, Hollywood would start playing the song. We've got tonight. Who needs tomorrow? Let's make it last. Let's find a way. But you know what Boaz says? No, no, no. We might have today, tonight. But listen, we need tomorrow. We need tomorrow because we got to make this right in God's eyes. Listen, here's what Boaz is saying. We got tonight. Listen, we could have a night of passion. It could be awesome. And I, I could actually do some things that might put me in line as your husband. I could buck the system. I could go around what's right. We got tonight. And it feels so right. But tomorrow, let's trust God to make it all right. Let's trust God that his ways are best. His plan is best. Listen, young people, the world out there wants to say, if it feels right, if it looks right, and the timing's right, go for it. Do it. Look to Boaz, a man of integrity. Everything was right there for the picking. Who says, no, no. We got to do this right in God's eyes. We got to honor our great God. I want to honor you. You're a virtuous woman. I want to do, I want to honor God as I honor you. And you know, you can hear also here, Houston, we got a problem. There's some other guy. The Hebrew says his name's so-and-so. It's Mr. So-and-so. He's really in line for you. But let's trust God, Ruth. And all of us who are watching are saying, please, Lord, may it be Boaz. Who is this so-and-so? Are you kidding me, God? You're going to let some knucklehead get in the middle of all this right now? I think he shows us integrity wins. In verse 14, it's amazing. Uh, Boaz, uh, she lays there uh, until morning, gets up when people can't recognize her, goes back to her mom, but Boaz won't let her go back empty-handed. In verse 15, hey, bring your cloak, spread it out. Six scoops of barley. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, And places it on her. She goes back into town. 
16, when Ruth got back uh, to her mother-in-law, it says here in the uh, NLT, what happened, my daughter? You know what she really said? This is even better. Who are you? Who are you? Are you still Ruth? Are you Mrs. Boaz? Did it happen? Are you engaged? And we know that at the end of that, that exchange, Boaz says, you are engaged. You are a fiance, either mine or his. But here, listen, I want, I want us to focus here as we close. Boaz gives a gift of seed. He gives a gift of seed, six scoops. And he says, take it back in verse 17. Take it back to Naomi. Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Can you tell how beautiful that is? The story kind of stops and says, let's focus on the gift here. It's a seed. It's a seed with six scoops. Six scoops is a number biblically means that it's not full. There's another scoop coming. There's another scoop coming. And the, the seed is so rich because it comes to the end and it says to Naomi, tell Naomi who said at the end of chapter one, I am empty. I have no seed as grain and famine and I have no seed because I am barren. Tell Naomi about God who gives and gives and gives that she's no longer empty. That God has provided for her. The famine is gone and the six scoops there's one more, and I can't help but picture Ruth carrying back this seed, looking pregnant. There's another seed coming, barren woman. There's another seed coming, and God will provide for you. Your barrenness will be gone. Your famine will be taken away. My precious Naomi, you aren't Mara. You aren't bitter. You're not empty. In verse 18, she says, Naomi comes to her senses and says, you know what? Let's just rest on his plan. Maybe my plan was a little crazy. But today, today the story will be solved. And the story fades to black. And it says, next week, tune in. We're like, are you kidding me? You're going to leave me here? I mean, who's the so-and-so? Is she going to get married to Boaz? What's going to happen? So come back next week, and I'll sing more to you. But really, God's love song was being sung in community. They all sang God's love song. His voice was conducting the whole thing. Did you hear God's love song for security? Naomi wanted to provide rest for Ruth. And amazingly, through her seed, one named Jesus who will be provided, who says, all you who are weary, all you who are heavy burdened, all you who need rest, come to me. Come to me to find rest. That's the, that's the song that she sang for us to learn from. God's love song of family, where Ruth would say, I'm going to provide a family. God says, I want to bring you into my family. I want to bring you into my family as my beloved. Ruth looks to Boaz as a redeemer as we look to Jesus. Okay, a couple take-homes. We gotta close. Learn from Naomi. God does take us from bitterness to life. God does provide us, and he will provide you. I know that some of you are sitting right now, and some of you don't believe it, and some of you are in such pain. Will you please trust God? He may have given you six scoops, but there's another scoop coming. 
Learn from Ruth, from foreigner to fiance, that God truly does. Listen, God truly does honor those who honor him. He truly does. Learn from Boaz that God's ways are best. God's ways are best. Trust him. Don't scheme and go to Moab. Don't scheme. And learn from that gift of the seed. This is, this is what I feel like God has for me. I hope he has it for you. Jesus has come to give us life right now. He's come to give us life and life abundantly. He's given us a gift of a Holy Spirit. And that gift is a promise that there's more to come. Listen, we're all gonna have more tears. We're all gonna have more sadness. There are more trials that are gonna come into our lives. But we know in Jesus, there's more to come. The promised seed, the promised seed throughout scripture is Jesus. That promised seed to come and he did shed his blood for us and he did robe us in his righteousness and we are today his. And he has given us the Holy Spirit and he promises he's not gonna lose any of us. And he promises he's taking us all home. And he promises us that there's a day coming with no more sadness, no more tears, no more sorrow. He's promising us that we will sing a love song. It's not going to be silly. It's a love song of his rescue, of his redemption. We can start it now. We will finish it and continue it forever with him face to face. But in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sorrow, see an amazing God sing over you. Love you as he sings over Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. Let us pray. Oh, Father, what an amazing story. God, I don't know what you need to do with a story in each of our hearts, but God, I pray your Holy Spirit right now would press into each one of us for the one who is bitter, for the one who is bitter and selfish. God, just love them where they are. Soften their hearts. For the one who is lonely and barren, would you just remind them of the promises of Jesus? Just remind them of how beloved they are. Father, I, I pray that we would be a community that just sings like they did. It sings a selfless song for your glory. For the glory of all. For the glory of it all. You, you came for the rescue of us all. For the glory of us all right in the midst of our brokenness. Jesus, you would become broken so that we could become healed. God, you, you, you rejoice in us. You sing over us, and we thank you for that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.